Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The bishops of Germany, who are, frankly, already in de facto schism with the faith, have chosen to lay the blame for all the woes of the church these past few decades, especially in Germany, squarely at the feet of Pope Benedict XVI. And today I have for you one of the well-known German bishops who is a longtime ally of Benedict's come to his aid and attempt to explain what is going on. It's pretty simple. As I said in a previous video, Benedict is a stumbling block for these bishops' attempts to radically change the church into the universal church of man, into the ape of the church. And they all know it, that they believe Benedict to be a rallying symbol of the Catholic faith, and as such, he needs to be discredited. I have for you today Cardinal Mueller's short public address on this topic, and it's important because this logic applies to the entire church in the synodal way that is being foisted upon the church by the modernists as a mechanism to change the church into something she is not. And that'll be a springboard for our a greater examination of the synod and some developments that have come in the past few days. So let's just get into this. Cardinal Gerhard Mueller's address was published in cath.net, and it's pretty short. It'll serve as the springboard for examining a rather basic question. How did we get here? What do the actions of the bishops of Germany indicate for the state of the church? And what do we do to move forward? Because the Synod of Synods is looming over all of this. And I'm going to address to some degree all of this after Cardinal Mueller's words. So, here is Cardinal Mueller's short public statement. Quote, With the declaration of Benedict XVI published February 8, 2022, and the enclosed fact check is now clearly and unambiguously documented what was clear from the outset to every decent person, at least those who would use reason. Benedict was always truthful. Any defamation of this learned clergyman, who deserves a lot of credit for the church, falls back onto its originators. One recognizes the intention in the report that was ordered and generally paid for with church tax money simply from the fact that the 8,000 pages of files were not made available in a sufficient manner to study. Because of the ambiguous accusations against the archbishop at the time, someone asked whether the report should be a Munchausen report instead of a Munich report. Let others answer that. But the unholy alliance between the German Munchausen press with its monotonous anti-Catholic codes and the internal church bankruptcy administrators has once again become visible to the whole world in all its absurdity in this typically German game between self-hatred and delusions of arrogance. Germany, a fairy tale of lies, Henrik Hein would have said, and only the establishment of a dwarfing particular church can treat the successor of Peter, who comes from that own country, it was appointed by Christ himself and the Holy Spirit, so undignified. Those bishops, ideologues, experts, and a canon lawyer of a special kind, who could never be absent with his stupid, brazen remarks, although everyone has enough to sweep their own front door, should not only apologize publicly, but by retreating into a life of prayer and atonement before their future judge for the damage they have done with their systematic decatholicization of the Church of St. Boniface. End quote. What Cardinal Mueller is saying there is pretty simple. There was an agenda to smear Benedict, and it was evident in the size of the report and how unreadable it was, and it was funded by the German church tax. If you're not familiar with what that is, that's a subject for another video. It's kind of kind of crazy, but for those not aware, the authorities of the church in Germany published a Ted McCarrick-type report about Benedict's involvement in allegedly sweeping under the rug Ted McCarrick-type problems in then-Cardinal Ratzinger's Archdiocese of Munich. 
The report, which on its face was ridiculous, was so large that no one could hope to read it, yet all the usual voices were well versed in its contents upon its release. A coordinated campaign against Benedict that was international in nature was launched with clear precision, with even the National Catholic Reporter out of the United States taking part. And why? Because the Synod in Germany is leading to a schism, because the German bishops and much of the laity want the modern values of the secular world to be embraced by the Church, and wrapped up with Catholic-sounding theology. Mueller is calling all of those involved to repentance. The wording of his statement was clunky due to the translation software I was using, but not much I can do about that, unfortunately, but I think his meaning was clear. The church, though, didn't find itself in the situation mysteriously. It didn't just happen. How we got here is pretty easy to see. While the Ted McCarrick issues are documented as having been a problem in the years before Vatican II, and I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of this, what Vatican II represented was a secularization of the church. The documents show this themselves, with the church embracing ecumenism and the so-called values of the world right in the documents. And immediately after the council, Paul VI visited the United Nations and gave an address about how that body was the hope of the world. I'm serious, he did that. Trads have been saying this for decades, so that observation is not exactly new, but I have something that will maybe make this a little clearer for you. A writer named Juan Manuel de Prada, writing over at abc.es, which is an outlet in Spain that covers all manner of news, including the life of the church, has his own diagnosis for the problems we see in the church. That what we are seeing the German bishops obsess over what I'll call Ted McCarrick issues for the stupid sensibilities of this place, are the rotten fruits of the secularization of the church brought on by Vatican II, which had been expressed in its various documents on how the church is to get along with the world and how there are multiple ways of knowing God outside the Catholic faith. This has enabled the church to be converted by the world, a process that is still ongoing, and it will only be fixed when the generation running the church now are gone, and a new generation that is more open to combating the causes of our problems in the church is in positions to restore the identity and life of the church. This is my assertion, and I think this writer has correctly nailed what the reasons are that we see the bishops of Germany going after Benedict XVI with such hostility. Again, not because Benedict is himself innocent of promoting heterodoxy and modernism in the church, his own role of promoting the so-called new springtime of the Church of the New Advent and modernism at the council and after are well documented, but it is clear that later in life he saw the rotten fruits of his own work and attempted to find a middle ground, a bridging between the preconciliar church and the Church of the New Advent with his hermeneutic of continuity. And while I don't agree with the hermeneutic of continuity, it is clear that Benedict was trying to preserve the faith in the face of radical change. Speaking of the Ted McCarrick problems in the church, Mr. De Prada at abc.es has this to say. I think it'll make a lot of sense, especially in light of what Cardinal Mueller has to say on the attempts to bring Benedict XVI down. Quote, All of this, however, would easily be remedied if the ecclesiastical hierarchies had enough courage to identify the cause of the evil and use the necessary remedies to combat it. But that courage is conspicuous by its absence. The generation that governs the church today has suckled from the sterile breast of Vatican II. It is a generation that deep down knows that has made a terrifying mistake, but will never admit it, because it would be as much as condemning its biography, and the world knows how to take advantage of this weakness. The sexual immoralism that the world promotes entered like little smoke from Satan through the Vatican II cracks, and once the church was engulfed in this smoke, the world has launched to expose it in the public pillory. 
Of course, the world is not interested in the clarification of what happened, much less the purification of the church, but rather the conversion of it into a tremulous rag that, to avoid scandal, acquiesces to its slogans. This is exactly what the ecclesiastical hierarchies are doing, who have no courage to point out that the root causes of Ted McCarrick issues for fear of unleashing the wrath of the world, which of course promotes defense and finances these causes. Thus, a prisoner of a failed generation that does not want to renounce Vatican II errors and that does not have the courage to combat Ted McCarrick issues in its root causes. End quote. We have been told that the Synod of Synods is the furthering of the Vatican II mission. This would be a furthering of the secularization of the Church, and this time we can see clearly what the consequences will be, because the Synod organizers are not hiding their intentions with this. Michael Hitchborn at Lepanto Institute published a revealing expose on this very topic a few days ago, and I wanted to bring it to your attention, because you and I are expected, according to the Church, to participate in the Synodal process. From Lepanto, headline, The Synod's Backdoor for Heretics. The headline is being way too nice, to be honest. The Synod is by design expected to help bring about Francis's universal Church of Man and empty the Catholic institutions of its divine grace. From the article, quote, The 2021-2023 Synod on Synodality is in full swing, and faithful Catholics are rightly very concerned about what it portends. In his recent article at 1 Peter 5, Matt Gasper summarized much of the problem of this particular Synod's structure. Unlike previous synods, which, each of which had been devoted either to a specific doctrinal pastoral subject or to the situation of the church in a particular region of the world, the focus of the current synod is much broader and bears upon the very nature of the church herself, the object of ecclesiology, a particular branch of theology, to the point of seeking to fundamentally and permanently change the church, or at least the traditional understanding of her divine constitution and how she functions. Francis Mayer over at the Catholic thing wondered if it would even be wise to hold a synod, positing that there is a great deal of potential for manipulation of the outcome. Given the evidence, strongly suggests that the outcome of the synod on the family and youth had already been written, even before the synod's conclusion and the rise in pagan attitudes coming out of the synod of bishops on the pan-Amazon region, there is much justification for worry that the agenda of those planning, coordinating, and working the synod have already established a path for a predetermined outcome. End quote. And yes, outcome is predetermined. That was the case with literally every other synod the Vatican has run during the reign of Francis the Great Merciful One. They have a plan for what they want the synod to impose on the church. Here is what will happen. A document from the synod fathers will emerge at the end with some terrifying recommendations. Francis will take the recommendations and then issue his own more moderate appearing document, where he promotes open heresy, but nothing as bad as what the synod wanted, thus moving the church incrementally more towards his final goal. This is what happened with the previous synods during his so-called reign. It's a game he's played before, and we've seen it with women's ordination, we've seen it with Amoris Laetitia, and the synod of the family that preceded it. And here's how Francis will accomplish this. After explaining how Vatican II documents define the members of the church in a way that is in keeping with the traditional faith, Mr. Hitchborn illustrates how they will dismantle the deposit of the faith at the synod. From the Lopanto article, quote, Contrast this clear teaching on the nature of the census fidelium with the Vatimecum, the official document and handbook for the synod. While the Vatimecum rightly states that synodality cannot exist without the pastoral authority of each diocesan bishop as authentic guardians, interpreters, and witnesses to the faith of the church, it establishes an unprecedented backdoor mechanism to give voice to those who are specifically not part of the census fidelium. 
section 2.1, who can participate. This, for this reason, while all the baptized are specifically called to take part in the synodal process, no one, no matter their religious affiliation, should be excluded from sharing their perspective and experiences, insofar as they want to help the church on her synodal journey of seeking what is good and true. This is especially true of those who are most vulnerable or marginalized. The process is that the baptized will hold sessions under the direction of their diocesan bishops who will then synthesize these sessions and submit this to the Vatican, which will then prepare a document for the bishops to discuss in 2023. That little section was from the actual document. Mr. Hitchborn continues saying, Heretics, schismatics, apostates, non-Catholics, and even atheists are allowed to participate, and though they are not counted as part of the census fidelium, their presence not only poses a threat to the poorly formed members of the faith, but actually affords an open door for radical and unprecedented changes. End quote. No other religion in the world would do something like this. But that organization pretending to be the Catholic Church is doing it, and why? Because the infiltration thesis applies, and it brings us back to Benedict XVI. Over the past century and a half, the enemies of the Church and of Christ himself managed to get men into the priesthood who had no business being in the Catholic priesthood, men like McCarrick and many others. This is detailed in books like Bella Dodd's School of Darkness and Marie Carey's AA 1025 Memoirs of an Anti-Apostle, as well as the permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita. The goal was the same for the different and unrelated groups involved, to turn the Catholic Church specifically to the purposes of the world, and they have largely accomplished this. The Synod of Synods is a de facto Third Vatican Council, and it has the explicit goal of realizing the purposes of Vatican II, and that's why the German bishops are trying to take down a 95-year-old retired pontiff, because they believe he is the symbol of a more orthodox Catholic face, and that he cannot be permitted to stand in the way of achieving their goals. This despite Benedict remaining silent on the Synod entirely. It's all rather ghoulish. While that goes on, we can expect more attacks to ramp up against traditional Catholic voices, especially from groups allegedly on our side of things. Expect that to begin if it hasn't already. But what did you think of all this? Is Mr. Hitchborn's piece eye-opening? Is the Synod the reason Benedict is being targeted by his own countrymen? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.